Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Have you ever noticed that shortly after introducing and baptizing the Lord Jesus, John the Baptist himself was imprisoned and held there until he was beheaded? But during his imprisonment, the Lord Jesus was healing and liberating many oppressed and suffering people. Yet for John the Baptist, he offered no such miracle, even when pressed to do so by John and some of his followers. What he did offer to John was a very unique word that outwardly seemed to offer no help, but likely became an inner strengthening to John, even through his martyrdom. We will look at this case and two other interesting cases from Luke chapter 7 today. Bob Danker has joined us for the program. Bob, welcome back. It's very good to be back, Chris. I think the Lord will show us something quite special from these three cases in Luke 7 that we will consider. First, the case of the healing of the servant of the centurion, and then the case of the raising up of the dead son of the widow, which manifests the Lord's humanity and his divinity in a marvelous way. And then, as you mentioned, Chris, we have the case of the Lord strengthening John the Baptist for his martyrdom by speaking to him a very special word that's very important for us also. Bob, I think one of the things that will um, you just alluded to it that will be of note in this program today, and we would encourage our listeners to keep their eye out for, is how these three cases that seem to be isolated and unrelated actually come together in a marvelous fashion in this chapter to make a very meaningful statement, don't they? Yes, Chris, and we'll see that as we go through the program. Okay, we have three cases, as Bob pointed out, all in chapter 7 of Luke. I think I'll read uh, some abbreviated segments of the verses associated with each of these. I think most of our listeners may know at least something about these cases, but let's look at the word in Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 2. And a certain centurion slave, who was highly valued by him, was ill and about to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent to him some elders of the Jews, requesting that he would come and completely heal his slave. And Jesus went with them. But already, when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not fit for you to enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not count even myself worthy to come to you. But speak a word, and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my slave, Do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. 
What a wonderful picture, Bob. This is always an intriguing passage because the Lord marveled at his faith and the centurion's word, which we'll hear about in Witness Lee's portion regarding, I too am under authority, is really the key, isn't it? It is the key. Let's go to Witness Lee. The centurion pointed out two things which are more than interesting in the entire Bible. Number one, authority. Number two, the word out of the authority. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy even of going to see you. Yet I know what is authority. I'm under others. When I say word, go, the one goes. When I say word, come, the one comes. He realized that the man Savior was the authority of the universe. And he knew the word out of the authority did mean something. So he said, Lord, I'm not worthy of your coming. Please don't come. You just speak a word. You just speak a word. My servant will be healed. He realized the authority. And he realized also the expression of the authority. And the Lord did it. And his servant got healed. What is this? Again, even in such a case, you could see the human virtue with the divine attributes. What was the human virtue? Jesus would go. Jesus as the Lord of the universe and the authority of the universe would go to such a small Roman officer. This was his human virtue. Yet, in this human virtue, his divine attribute was expressed. As the authority, he just spoke a word. I tell you, that is the divine attribute. His divine attribute was manifested in his human virtue. By this, the servant of the centurion was healed. Bob, I've always liked this story. I like this word very much. Here we have a Roman a soldier, centurion, one who's in command of a hundred, I think was the meaning of the term. And his expression here displays a lot, doesn't it? It does, Chris. This Roman, as you pointed out, is actually a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And he's a commander of a hundred soldiers. And his response to the Lord here, it caused the Lord to marvel at this man and at his faith. And the Lord said, even in Israel, among God's chosen people, I have not found faith that I see in this Roman centurion. And in this case, we can see, again, the Lord is expressing his human virtues and his divine attributes. Just the fact that the Lord would go to take care of the request of this Roman centurion, who was not a great general in a Roman army. He was a rather small officer. He had only a 100 men under him. And yet, this Roman centurion called him Lord. That means that the Roman centurion realized that the Lord was the Lord of the universe. He was the very God. 
And as the very God, the centurion realized that Christ, Jesus, he had the authority and he could speak the word of authority. And whatever he said, that's what would be done. That was his faith in the Lord. But the Lord's willingness to go to this man to take care of his request was a sign of his human virtue. Many of us perhaps would not take the time to answer the request of such a small person. I wonder if I would take that time. And on the other hand, the Lord, in exercising his authority and speaking the word of authority, expressed his divine attribute, his divine authority. Here we can see these two marvelous aspects of the Lord's person. Bob, touch this point uh For I also am a man set under authority, yet the examples he gives seem to indicate that he's in authority. And I think this was part of the word that caused the Lord Jesus to marvel, wasn't it? I believe so. The centurion recognized that Jesus was the Lord, but as a man, the Lord Jesus was under the Father's authority. He was under authority, and yet he was the authority. He could exercise authority because he was under authority. So the centurion, being a man under authority and a man with authority, recognized that the Lord was just the same as he. And this was part of his faith. This manifested his faith in the Lord, and the Lord marveled at this. Okay, we move on. The next case in chapter 7 has to do with a widow who has lost her husband, obviously, and now her only son is dead. And soon afterward, I'm in verse 11 now, he the Lord Jesus, went into a city called Nain. And as he came near the gate of the city, behold, one who had died was being carried out, an only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And when the Lord saw her, he was moved with compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came near and touched the bier, or the casket, and those carrying it stood still. And he said, Young man, to you I say, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and he gave him to his mother. And fear took hold of all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has been raised up among us, and God has visited his people. Another tremendous story, Bob. Let's find out about this one. Right after this, he came to a city by the name Nain. And he saw... A situation. That was a sad situation. A widow who lost the husband. And now this only son was also lost. The husband was lost. The only son was lost. Carried by people to the cemetery. Such a sad situation. Who could help? The man savior came. He saw the situation. Again, his compassion was moved. Right away, he touched the coffin. Then he commanded the dead son, thrice up, what is this? Dear saints, what is this? His compassion was moved to touch the coffin. That was his human virtue. He was not requested. He saw the situation and he initiated the healing. He initiated the action according to his human virtue. Who moved him? His human virtue moved him. 
in his human virtue, his divine attributes was expressed. When we saw such a sad situation, we may be moved, but we would say, sorry. None can do anything, neither can I do anything. Sorry. I feel so sorry, right? We may have the human virtue, but we are short of the divine attribute. But this one, he is full of the human virtue, and he is full of the divine attribute. He touched the coffin, and he said, rise up. And the man rose up. That was the expression of his divine attributes in his human virtue. Well, you put these two cases together, what do you get? To heal the dying servant just by sending a word. You couldn't see much affection there, right? But surely you can see the authority there. But here, to touch a coven needs a lot of mercy, needs a lot of love, needs a lot of sympathy. This is the man Savior. What a man Savior. What a God man, full of the human virtue with the divine attributes. Bob, listening to this today and uh, preparing for our program today, I was more taken with this story than I think at any other time when I've read the Gospel of Luke. Because what's striking about it, it's somewhat different than almost all of the other accounts of his miracles in the different cases, because there was no indication here that anyone came to him and asked him to get involved. And usually that was the case, wasn't it? That's right, Chris. In this case, the Lord volunteered himself, volunteered his power of resurrection to raise up the dead son of this poor, pitiful widow who had lost everything. And the Lord, seeing her situation and knowing her situation and being filled with human virtues, was moved with compassion, full of sympathy, full of love. And so he came and he touched this casket, this coffin, and the whole funeral procession stopped. And then the Lord exercised his divine attribute of resurrection power to raise up this dead son. Here again we see the picture of this marvelous God-man who is our Savior, the one who is full of human virtues and divine attributes. I think in the first case we get a little more impressed with the divine attributes, his ability to heal just with speaking the word of authority. But this one has to touch you not only with the divine attributes being able to raise a dead one, but his uh, human virtues are so marvelously expressed here. That's right, Chris. This is the real striking, impressing thing about this case. All right, Bob, we have one other case that we want to devote some time to today. It's very interesting now that it follows these two very closely. There's no separation. We go right into this story about John the Baptist, and this begins at verse 18 in chapter 7. And John's disciples reported to him concerning all these things. And John called a certain two of his disciples to him and sent them to the Lord. And the men came to him and said, John the Baptist sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we expect another? 
In that hour he healed many from diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and to many who were blind he graciously gave sight. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel announced to them. And blessed is he who is not stumbled because of me. This is the Lord's portion to John's inquiry. Bob, we have a real uh, insightful portion ahead, don't we? We certainly do, Chris. Let's get to it. After these two cases, the report went to John the Baptist. Where was he? In prison. My, he was a foreigner for Christ. Yet, he was put into prison, seemingly the this one with authority, full of affection, did nothing for him. He did nothing. He just forgot about him. His disciples were uh, bothered. They went to give the report to John. John was provoked. What is this? So John sent a provoking word to Jesus. Were you the one? Were you the one or not? If you were, why wouldn't you do something for me? Let me tell you. Jesus answered, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, and the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, and the good news is being brought to the poor. You disciples of John, go back to report him. Suppose you were John, and you heard this kind of repeated report. What would you say? You would say, I don't like to hear this. I like to ask you, how about me? Uh-huh. I like to hear the good news about me. <laughs> what, what do you do for me? I'm still in prison. Did you declare the jubilee? The captives in prison will be freed. You have to liberate me. So, verse 23 says, Blessed is he who is not stumbled in me. I just like to do so much for the people, but I don't like to do anything for you. And I did a lot for the people. I just wouldn't do anything for you. Don't be stumbled in me. Praise he who is not stumbled in me. You have to believe this word in verse 23. Strengthen John. Strengthen him to his martyrdom. He got strengthened. He knew that Christ wouldn't do anything for him. Christ can do everything. But he still has the right not to do anything. He did a lot for others, but he would not do anything for you, John. And John got convinced. And John got strengthened. Bob, I feel so uh, privileged to hear this story related in a way where you finally realize, I get it. I understand it. We've all read this story, but I don't think we ever really saw it, did we, until today? I certainly agree, Chris. I think Brother Lee's insight here is is very penetrating, and it brings us into the real significance of what's going on here. We might think that John was 
doubting whether Jesus was the Christ or not. But actually, John had been the one to point out that this one is the Christ. John had spoken so definitely, declaring that he's the Christ. So it's not very likely that John would have any doubt about this. So Brother Lee's insight here to point out to us that John, in speaking this word to the Lord, was actually provoking him, trying to get him to do something to deliver John from his imprisonment. And I'm sure the Lord understood John's intention very well. So he spoke to him a marvelous and particular word, pointing out to John, yes, I'm doing so many wonderful things for others, but you are blessed, John, if you are not stumbled in me. This word, taken back by John's disciples to John, really was an indication to John that the Lord was not going to do anything for John, that he was going to leave him in prison and to suffer martyrdom. So I believe John also realized, after hearing this word, that the Lord's intention was not to do anything for him. So this strengthened him because then he realized, this is what I must prepare myself. I must prepare myself to be martyred. And I shouldn't be stumbled by the fact that the Lord Jesus did not do anything for me. Yes, I think this is uh, very helpful because he realized, obviously, then at that point, this is God's will for me. And many times it's just not knowing that is the most troubling to us, isn't it? That's right. You know, many times in our Christian life, we may have an expectation that the Lord will do something for us. And we find out that it's just not his will to do what we expected him to do. This may cause us to be stumbled. This may cause our faith to be weakened. But we should realize that our faith in the Lord should not depend on whether he does something for us or not. But we should be satisfied, as the Lord was, to know his will and to see his will accomplished. You know, when the Lord was in the garden there, right, Chris? He prayed to the Father. He said, Father, if it is your will, let this cup, which means his death on the cross, let it pass from me. Yet, Father, not as I will, but as you will. So the Lord was satisfied with the Father's will, even if it meant that he would suffer this death on the cross to accomplish the redemption, to enable God to accomplish his economy. The Lord was satisfied with the Father's will, and we should be satisfied with the Lord's will. This is a strengthening word, not just for John, I think for all of us, Bob. I got strengthened very much today with this. As did I, Chris. I appreciate this word very much, and I appreciate Brother Lee's insight to bring this out for us to realize what the Lord's real intention in speaking this word was. A very uh, sweet and tasty portion we've enjoyed today, Bob. I appreciate that you were here with us. It's always a privilege. Okay, we would uh, like to invite you, as we always do at the end of the program, to contact us. Uh, Hearing from you means a great deal to us. We have the printed life study messages that are, well, to be honest, they're more marvelous than anything we can do in the half hour that we have to present them each day. So I think if you are, are enjoying the broadcast, you're really missing something if you don't take advantage and get the printed messages so that you can pour into these uh, matters yourself at your your pace and with your Bible there to double-check and recheck and see these verses opened up in such a marvelous way. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to contact us, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Here, Lord, we give ourselves to Thee.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.